Such a, such a great day at the gate. We're honored that you're worshiping with us. And uh, just here, like they said, if you're online today, we just want to say thank you so much. Believe God's going to speak to you this morning. We prayed for you this morning, all of our church family, and just believing that God's going to speak to us, continue to strengthen us. Um, we've been in the midst since July. If you haven't been able to be here every Sunday, we've been part of uh, a series that we've been sharing on Unshakable. And we've been talking about how we build our lives uh, in and constitute them in ways that uh, they become unshakable. We began that series in Hebrews chapter 12, which tells us that we're a part of an unshakable kingdom. That was a good place to say amen. If you're a part of an unshakable kingdom. And so we got to really embrace this idea of what it really means to be a Christian, that my identity, my connection, my source is different than everything else, than everyone else, and everything in the world. When I become a Christian, I connect. I'm a kingdom citizen. So that makes me a part of an unshakable kingdom. And that becomes especially important when everything in the world is shaken. And I think that one of the things that we've talked about, so many of our team and our pastors, Pastor Jordan, Pastor David, Pastor Sango have all been sharing over these weeks, but this is an opportunity when everything's shaken in the world for the people who are a part of an unshakable kingdom to stand out in the world. And so how many of you know it doesn't do anybody any good if we're just shaken just like the rest of the world? They can't tell that we're actually connected to something different if when everything else shakes, we shake. And so today's gonna be uh, sort of the summing up and the, the final message in this series on unshakable. And, uh, and we're gonna try to uh, put, put, a, put, a, put a stamp on that and, and move into back to school Sunday, next Sunday, as you heard. Um, we're gonna have a special few Sundays in August. And then I want to tell you, I'm not preaching yet, so that's just sort of like chips and salsa at the Mexican restaurant right there, okay? It's free and, um, you know, it doesn't count. But I wanted to tell you that in September, we're going to begin uh, a time of diving deep again in discipleship, and we're going to talk uh, some about prayer. And this isn't going to be just sort of the normal stuff you're used to hearing about prayer. So this is going to be really uh, strategic ways that we want to equip our church family, equip you and your family to be able to really deepen our lives in prayer and in the presence of God. And the reason that we want to take time to do that is because it would be, it would be a terrible tragedy for us to talk to you about the possibility of living an unshakable life but then never tell you about prayer and about how to strengthen your prayer life. Because how many of you know that your unshakability is always connected to the depth of your prayer life? How you've been formed in prayer, how you've been informed in prayer. And so September the 1st, we're gonna begin that for several weeks. It's gonna be a fantastic time of discipleship. And then in the fall, we'll be doing small groups that follow that. So it's going to be an incredible season at the gate. Want to make sure that you're ready for that. And uh, without any further ado, I think we're just going to jump right into the word. If that's all right with everybody. So Psalm 55 this morning. And I want to talk to you um, as we wrap this series up 
about this. We're going to talk about how, how to survive a soul quake. How to survive a soul quake. So I know that we live in Oklahoma and we have more earthquakes than we used to. Um, but, you know, you probably, I don't know whether you know how to survive an earthquake or not. If you don't know how to survive an earthquake, I'm not qualified to tell you how to survive an earthquake and I'm not going to try to do that. But I do feel qualified to help you understand how to survive a soul quake. And uh, we want to look at the anatomy of a soul quake this morning. So look at me, look with me at Psalm 55. We'll read the first few verses. They're going to put it on the screen. I'm reading from a pretty unique translation of the Psalms. And so you may not have that in your Bible. So follow along with me on the screen if you will. But the psalmist says this. He says, hear my prayer, O God. Do not hide yourself from my petition. Listen to me and answer me. I have no peace because of my cares. I'm shaken by the noise of the enemy and by the pressure of the wicked. For they have cast a spell upon me and they're set against me in fury. My heart quakes within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling have come over me and horror overwhelms me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee to a far off place and make my lodging in the wilderness. I would hasten to escape from the stormy wind and the tempest. In verse number 24 of Psalm 55, the psalmist, as they often do in their psalms, they pour their heart out and you get to hear every bit of the anguish and the emotion that they're going through. But as they do that, uh, they come to the end of the psalm and they say something like this, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Cast your burden upon the Lord. I want you to pay a special attention to verses three and four and five where the psalmist says, I have no peace because of my cares. I'm shaken. My heart is quaking. And it seems as though the enemy has cast a spell on me by the pressure of the wicked. We're going to circle back to all of that. But let's just ask the Lord to help us to kind of work in all the truth that's being unfolded to us over these weeks and really help us to, I, I want you and your family out of this time to be at a different level of unshakableness than you were when we began. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us do that, can you? Father, we thank you today for this church family. We thank you for this people. And Lord, our hearts have been open to you in worship today. We thank you for your presence. But Lord, I pray that you'd give us a grace and ability to open our hearts to hear your word afresh Lord, I pray that as our hearts are open to you, that you would place things in us, that you would form us and shape us this morning, and that our roots would grow deeper, and Lord, our faith would grow stronger, and Lord, we would be a brighter and a better witness to you and to your kingdom because we spent time in your house and in your presence today. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. I did a little bit of research about earthquakes as I was preparing. Um, and when preachers these days say, I did a little bit of research, what we generally mean is I Googled how do earthquakes happen? And so I, you can do that on your own if you'd like. I got a lot of diagrams and information. I feel pretty much like a scientific expert when it comes to earthquakes now. And so what I can tell you about an earthquake that you may or may not know is that earthquakes are caused when heat and pressure create movement and friction between tectonic plates underneath the earth's surface. Earthquakes are caused when heat and pressure create movement and friction between tectonic plates that are underneath the earth's surface. And so I began to think when I read the psalmist saying that my heart shakes and quakes within me, I began to think about how our personal experience uh, can really resemble an earthquake. And when we go through difficult times, when we go through times of shaking, we're shaken on the inside. And, and the psalmist kind of describes this. He says, I have no peace because of my cares. Now, if I wanted to, I think I could take that phrase right there and spend the rest of the morning just unpacking that. That if you're not careful with your cares, they will rob you of your peace. If you don't know what to do with your cares, then your cares will rob you of your peace. Jesus said in one of his parables in Matthew 13 that the parable of the farmer and the seed, the seed is like the seed of the kingdom and they're sown into our hearts. Sometimes that seed begins to kind of produce and a little plant begins to grow up. But he said that the thorns are the cares of this world or the cares of this life. And he said, those cares actually begin to choke out the life of the kingdom seed and potential on the inside of you. He said, it's not that your heart isn't a good enough garden to receive. So let me just break it down to you like this. It's like this, you can come to church, you can open your heart, you can have seed planted in your heart. That seed has life in it. It begins to grow. It begins to produce something that could be fruitful in your life. But outside of here and in the rest of your life, somehow cares begin to flood your soul. And those cares, if you don't know what to do with them, they can choke the life out of the seed, out of God's seed in your life. And the psalmist says, he identifies correctly. I have no peace and I know why. He says, it's not that I don't have peace and I can't understand why. He said, the reason I don't have peace is because of all these cares I'm carrying around. And so cares can be good things. They can be things like, you know, what am I going to eat? How am I going to pay my bills? What am I going to do about my kids? Those are nothing wrong with those things. But what this psalm is trying to teach us is how to properly process the cares, the noise, and the pressure of our life. And just like an earthquake is produced by heat and pressure and, and movement and friction, so are soul quakes produced in our life when the pressure, the heat, 
and the friction get too much on the inside. See, what happens in the earth in an earthquake is that there's so much pressure, so much heat, so much friction. Basically, the earth says something's got to give. And the earth doesn't really put out a survey or ask everyone for permission. The earth doesn't say, is there a building on this place in earth? It doesn't say, are there people running around? It doesn't say, will anything be harmed or damaged? Because when you reach the climax of a pressure point, you don't think about the consequences. The earth simply says, something's got to move. Something's got a gift. We can't take this any longer. And I want to suggest to you that your soul is very much like the earth in that, in, in that sense. In that there's a place and a time that you'll find yourself coming in life where the pressure, the heat, the friction, the noise, the intensity are so great that you won't ask anybody around you. Have you ever been around anybody who's had a soul quake? They don't really ask you if you want to hear their opinion. They don't really want to ask you if you want to hear about their problems. What happens is it's an eruption. It's just something just begins to say something's got to move. Something's got to change. I can't stand this pressure any longer. And so I think that the psalmist shows us how to walk out these times in our life so that we can be uh, it's interesting to me that the psalmist says, I'm shaken by the noise and by the pressure. Everybody say noise. How many of you know that the psalmist, I don't know when he wrote this, but it was a long time ago. And I'm just going to suggest to you that he had a lot less noise to deal with in his culture than we do today. He didn't have an iPhone, he didn't have a radio, he didn't have a television, he didn't have uh, 24 news, and he didn't have a lot of noise that we deal with. But even though around 1000 BC when he's writing this psalm, he felt like the noise of the enemy is getting too loud in my life. The noise of, of circumstances and pressure and situations are becoming too loud in my life. And he, and, he, and he does something next that I think a lot of us would feel like, man, he's probably taking it too far here. But he, but he says, they've cast a spell on me. They've cast an evil spell on me. Now, I know you're probably thinking about witches and, you know, maybe you watched the Smurfs as a kid, you know, and, and, or maybe your parents didn't let you watch the Smurfs. But either way, you're thinking of, of witches and cauldrons and stirring up. I see all the Gen X people laughing about whether or not they were able to watch the Smurfs when they were a kid. But, uh, you know, when you think about spells, but I want you to think about a spell this way. A spell is something that's so overwhelming that it begins to form and shape the way you think without you even realizing that the way you think is being formed and shaped. So I don't know whether you've been put under the spell of a witch doctor or not, but I do want you to know that it's possible that you've been put under a cultural spell. It's very possible that with as much noise that you're living with, that we could all come up under the, the spell of culture and society, which constantly fills our soul and our mind with ideas and with thoughts about what really matters, about what's valuable, and about how we should think. 
So the enemy of our soul is filling our lives with noise and the noise creates pressure. So how many of you know that this is very simple, but it's really important that you pay attention to what the noise inputs are in your life. I just want to tell you that if, you know, you can come and, and have a bunch of good church and hear good sermons and hear good teaching about living an unshakable life, but if you're filling your life with noise that is not kingdom sound and kingdom noise, then you're going to be shakable because the noise of the world always creates pressure. If you don't believe me, then just turn on the TV and listen to about seven minutes of the news and see if it creates pressure. Because you know what they know? They know that if it doesn't create pressure, it won't keep your attention. So what you have on news channels and on the internet and on your phone that's constantly going off trying to get your attention is some way or another, a headline, an idea, an argument, a controversial statement, something to get your attention. It's noise and it's designed to create pressure. It's designed to create pressure. And so if, if we're not careful, um, our lives, our souls, our interior life. So here's what I want you to begin to think about. And I'm going to use a couple of visuals this morning just to teach. My heart really is just to kind of make some things uh, plain to you. And I hope that they make more sense to you when you leave. But the noise and the pressure are things around you. Everybody say around you. The noise and the pressure are coming from, but the most important thing about your life is not what's going on around you. The most important thing about your life is what's going on within you. And now I'm going to give you some liberating news. This is liberating information right now. Okay. Listen to me. You can't change everything that's going on around you. When you think about things that are going on around you that you wish were different, there, let's say there's 15 things. There might be four of them that you can change. You can change what you're listening to. You can change the atmosphere of your home. You can change lots of things. But how many of you know there's a lot of factors going on in the world today that, that you can't, I don't know if you know this or not, but you are not the general manager of the universe. Now, I know that's big. That's a big news. Just look at the person next to you and say, I don't know if you knew that or not, but you're not the general manager of the universe. So what that means is that I can't change everything that's going on around me. But here's the good news. I can change everything that's going on within me. I am the general manager of my soul. And if you want to tinker with all the circumstances around my life, you can do whatever you want. But if you begin to trespass into the interior corridors of my soul, then you're going to find me at the gate of my soul saying, no, 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 no. This is holy territory. This is a garden that has been planted by the Lord. And I am the keeper of this garden. It doesn't belong to me. God gave it to me. So you can plant your weeds all over society. You can plant them all over your yard, but you can't bring them up into my heart and bring chaos and division and destruction and death and all kinds of noise because this is my interior life. I'm in charge of this. Are you with me? 
And so we have to begin to learn how to, you know, a lot of times we focus on what we're stewards of. And we talk about being stewards of our time, stewards of our treasure, stewards of our talent, stewards of all these different things. But I want to tell you the most important thing that you're a steward of is not even all those external things that you can see. The most important thing that you're a steward of is you're a steward of the heart. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. Above all else, keep watch over your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. The, the writer of Proverbs said, above everything else, above your money, above your time, above everything you do, you better make sure that your heart is in good condition. You better make sure that your heart is healthy. You better make sure that your heart is pure. Because out of your heart flows everything else. And your life is only in danger of serious soul quakes when you stop paying attention to the condition of your heart. And so I want you to look on the screen with me. They got an image they're gonna throw up there for me. It's very familiar. And I think some people are gonna help me bring a whiteboard out if, if we can. This sermon is so interesting, it requires two visual aids. Okay, so this is really, really interesting. So this is a picture of um, an iceberg. You might be familiar with this image. I think I've used it before, but you may or may not have been here. So if you were, it bears repeating. On the top of the iceberg are the observable aspects of your life, your words, your actions, your behaviors. It's what everybody sees. It's the part of your life, the top of the iceberg that's visible. It's the part that when you come to church and people say, how you doing? And you say, I'm blessed and highly favored. They're looking at the top of the iceberg. How many of you know that the top of the iceberg isn't always the full picture of what's going on in your life? In fact, an iceberg in the natural tells us that the part you can see is the least percentage and the least uh, effectual and impactful part of the iceberg. You know, the, the part of the iceberg that the sailor can see from the ship is not the part of the iceberg that will sink the ship. I'm going to say that again. The visible part of your life is not the part of your life that will sink your ship. It's the invisible part. I told you that earthquakes happen because stuff starts moving beneath the surface. Soul quakes happen not because the visible part of your life gets affected, but because something down underneath the surface starts to experience too much pressure. Are you with me this morning? So can we go back? I'm sorry, guys, I get, I get excited with just a few words. Can you put the image back up there for me? They're trying to be mindful of the online audience. So underneath the surface, at the, at, the, at the water line, we have what we call attitudes. And the reason I love to put the attitudes right there at the water line is because sometimes the attitudes you let people see, and sometimes you keep your attitude up down under the surface. I remember Pastor Kathy telling the story of one of her grandkids and the grandkid got in trouble and they were talking to the grandkid and they were wanting the grandkid to sit down and the grandkid didn't want to sit down. The grandkid was standing up and they just went on and on back and forth. I don't remember which grandkid it was, but the grandkid was standing up and they said, you need to sit down. The grandkid didn't want to sit down. And finally the grandkid sat down. And then they said to the grandkid, thank you. And the grandkid responded, I'm sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. See, what he was saying is the top of my iceberg is obeying. But down underneath, I've got a different attitude. 
And how many of you know your attitude sometimes can just rear their head above the surface and you're like, whoops, that slipped out. You know, I didn't know, I didn't mean for that to come out. But your attitudes kind of go back and forth between the visible and the invisible, between the observable and the observable. One more time, guys. Thank you so much to the diligent media team. They say, please don't ever do this again. Thank you. Thoughts, emotions, and feelings. And then beneath thoughts, emotions, and feelings, we have desires, longings, and fears. And so these are things that are underneath the surface of our life. These are the areas where soul quakes take place. Now, it won't take me very long to teach this, but I needed to set that up. Here's what I want you to understand. I'm going to write on the whiteboard now. Thank you guys for the design, and we can just use the whiteboard. I think they'll be able to put this on the on the camera so that you can see it too. So same thing you saw on the screen is right here on the whiteboard. What we're gonna add is these words from Psalm 55. And so these words from Psalm 55 are words like noise and pressure. So you got noise and pressure going on. And here's what begins to happen in our lives. Now, the way that God works in our life is not from the top down. So what is God doing in my iceberg? What is God doing in my soul? God is bringing transformation about in me. That's what God's doing. God is at work. Now, here's what I want you to see, because you can get really confused about this in church. So God doesn't bring transformation by beginning to talk to us about our words, our actions, and our behavior. So God doesn't come to Lewis when Lewis comes to Christ, and he doesn't say, hey, Lewis, I want to transform your life. And what I need to do is I need you to change your words, change your actions, and change your behaviors. I don't like your language. I don't like your actions. I don't like your behavior. I need you to change that. That's not how Christ works in our lives. In fact, Christ doesn't even work in our lives by changing our words, action, behaviors. He doesn't even start by changing our attitudes. He doesn't even start working on our attitudes. And a lot of times in church, a lot of times good-meaning, well-meaning people can give us the impression that the way that we're transformed is by changing these exterior and surface level things of our life. And in church, I'll throw out a few phrases. So what we say when, say, how do I be transformed? We say, well, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind because God needs to change your thinking in order to change your life. And that's a true statement, but it's a mistaken statement if we believe that that's where God starts. We have to understand where the Holy Spirit is starting in our lives because he's not starting with my thinking. And then we might even say, well, you know, God wants to heal your emotions. He wants to heal your feelings where you've been wounded and that's gonna bring transformation in your life. That's a true statement, but that's not where God starts. See, God doesn't come and meet you and start dealing with all the surface exterior elements of your life or even the middle interior elements of your life. When God comes to meet you, he goes straight to the root of what your problem is. And so God isn't trying to do a behavior modification problem. He's not trying to make you into a good citizen. He's not trying to make you into a good person. He's not even trying to make you moral. 
See, for a lot of Christians, you would think that if, they, if we could just become moral people, then we're transformed. God's not trying to make you into a moral person. I only got, I didn't get, I didn't get an amen anywhere right there. God's not trying to make you into a moral person. Are you saying that I'm supposed to be immoral? That's not what I said. I said, God's not trying to make you into a moral person. Listen to this. God's trying to make you into a new creation. God's trying to make you into something that's so new, that's so unordinary, that's so different, that's so holy, that's so other. And you know what? Yeah, of course, it's going to look like morality. It's going to look like goodness. It's going to look like right living. But that's not the goal. That's not what God said. You can become moral. You can have good thoughts and good attitudes and good words and good actions and good behavior and not even have Christ at work in your life. You can be a good moral person. You can do it. You say, no, you can't do it. Well, you know, go debate with your friends at lunch. Emotions, our will, we talk about our will. We get our will conformed. But here's what I want to tell you. Here's what Christ does. Christ comes into your life. You say, where's Christ? Christ is right down here. Christ is right down here. And here's what Christ is doing. Christ is beginning at the place of our desires, our longings, and our fears. You say, what does that mean? What Christ is doing, friend, is he's not trying to tinker with your emotions and tinker with your feelings and tinker with your thinking. What he's really doing is he's going to work transforming your desires. And if you remember in Genesis 3, it's desire that got us into this whole problem anyway, because the Bible says that Eve saw the tree and the fruit that it was desirable to eat and it was pleasant to the eye. And so she took it and ate. So Eve's problem was that she had a wrong desire. The Bible says in Psalm 37 that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. So here's what Christ does. Christ says, come to me and begin abiding in me. And if you build your life on the foundation of who I am and my teachings, watch this, then I'm going to begin transforming your desires. I'm going to begin dealing with your longings and I'm going to set you free from your fears. Because the real problem of your life is not that you're a bad person and that you do bad things and you say bad things. The real problem of your life is that you desire wrong things and you're a slave to fear. And most of all, you're a slave to the fear of death. The Bible tells us this. So what Jesus did when Jesus came is he didn't come and say, let me just tinker with you. He said, what's the problem with humanity? And they said the problem, the real root problem is that humanity is enslaved to the fear of death. And then Jesus said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll deal with death. I'll conquer death. I'll defeat death. And then we can let them know they don't have to be afraid of anything any longer. And 
And Jesus says, because I've dealt with death, you're no longer a slave to fear. You're a child of the living God. And I'm going to transform your desires so that you're going to begin to desire different things than you used to desire. And if you'll cooperate with Christ and cooperate with the vine dresser, then he will cultivate kingdom desires in you. What you want as a Christian is to be a person who is cultivating like a gardener, the kingdom desire. So here's what Christ does. Christ doesn't come and just say, hey, wipe all this out and let's start new. That's not what Christ does. What Christ does is Christ comes into the foundation of our life and I've already mentioned it to you. He begins to plant seeds. And he starts throwing kingdom seeds into our heart. And those kingdom seeds begin transforming our desires. So all of a sudden he says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after the right things. And if you desire the right things, then you're blessed. For they shall be called the sons of God. They shall be filled with the right thing. So he's transforming my desire. Then he's conforming my will. Then he's healing my emotions. Then he's renewing my thinking. Then he's transforming my attitudes. And then of course, this is just the leaves and the fruit of my life. And of course I have a good attitude. Of course I only have words of blessing. Of course I don't gossip. Of course I don't lie. Why? Because the root of my life has no lies in it. The root of my life has no slander in it. The root of my life has no anger in it. The root of my life has been changed. You say, how did you change your life? All I did was cultivate the root of my life. And the root of my life is Christ. And his life flows through me. And so as I experience this transformation by cultivating. Now here's the tricky part I got to tell you this morning. Is that what a lot of times we do is we take this stuff without dealing with the desire. So what I mean by that is we take our thoughts, our will, our feelings, and then we kind of put some kingdom language on all that stuff. And so we say, oh, I want to be blessed and highly favored. And I want to start a business. And it goes something like this. If you ever hear somebody, I want to start a business and I want it to be blessed and I want it to make lots of money and I want it to, and then they'll go, uh, because for Jesus. Somehow it clicks in their head along the way that we needed to add that part that it's for the kingdom. But what you've got in that situation, probably your neighbor, not you, but what you've got in that situation is you've got a person who has been taking their desires and putting Christian language to it without experiencing transformation in their desire. So we take, you know, churchy language and kingdom verbiage and we dress it up, but we've never been dealt with in our root. And so you've got a situation where you begin building something and it looks good. It sounds good. Are you with me? My wife and I were talking uh, uh, this past month when we were talking about Unshakable. 
and there was a condo in Florida. You remember the condo? This is like last month. There was this condo in Florida. It's been there for years and years, decades. This condo, people living in it, looks great, sounds great. Condo on the beach must be fine, right? And then just all of a sudden one day, there wasn't even an earthquake. Just all of a sudden one day, condo starts falling apart. Condo starts caving in on itself. And people are like just astonished that how could this happen in Florida? How could this happen in America? Well, I can tell you how it happened. Somebody wasn't paying attention to the foundation. Somebody said, whoo, this condo's got a nice view. Whoo, this condo's got balconies. This condo's on the beach. This condo's got nice furniture. It's got air conditioning. It's got a roof. But nobody asked, how's the foundation? I wonder if our lives are ever so enamored with all the accoutrements of our life. Well, they got a good job. They got a good income, live in a good neighborhood, doing well. Yeah, that's all wonderful. But how's the foundation of their life? Because whether they survive and whether they remain and whether they endure is not going to be dependent on all the temporary stuff of their life. It's going to be dependent on whether they built on the right foundation. And that foundation is a wellspring of life and power and goodness and new creation. And it's called Christ. Now listen, we're going to go back to Psalm 55. You ready for this? I have no peace because of all my cares. The New Testament tells us Christ is our peace. I want you to catch this this morning. Have you ever been in a time in your life where you said, I know Christ is with me, but I have no idea where he is. I know Christ is with me, but I can't find him anywhere. Well, here's what I know that I can tell you is that Christ never leaves you and he never forsakes you. He just might not be where you're looking. You're looking for Christ all up here on the surface of your life. And I wonder if sometimes our lives get so cluttered with cares that they cover up Christ who is our peace so that it's not that Christ isn't with us. It's not that Christ isn't present. It's that our lives, our interior lives are so cluttered up with noise and so cluttered up with all other, maybe my phone's notifications are going off so much that I can't hear Christ at the bottom of my life, at the foundation of my life, calling me, saying, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly of heart. You will find rest for your souls. Christ constantly calling out. Christ constantly faithful. Christ constantly present. Christ constantly there for us in our lives. Can I tell you, we're getting ready to go into prayer in September. Let me give you a prayer key. The, the key to prayer is never God's presence. You say, I just don't feel God's presence in prayer. Let me tell you the key to prayer. The key to prayer is never God's presence in prayer. The key to prayer is my presence in prayer. 
You've never gone to prayer when God wasn't present. When you went to prayer and God wasn't present, it wasn't God who was absent, it was you. Y'all ain't ready for this. You better get ready for September. It's not you say, well, I went to prayer. Yeah, but you weren't there. You, was, you were three hours down the road thinking about what you were going to have for lunch, thinking about how you're going to pay that bill, thinking about how much that person was going to pay you, thinking about how mad you were. You were three weeks behind and four weeks ahead. You might have been at prayer, but you were absent. If God would have taken a role like in class, it wouldn't have been present and accounted for. It would have been, no, they're here, but they're absent. So what we have to learn how to do in prayer is we have to learn how to present ourselves. Yeah, y'all. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That means make sure you're present. Make sure you're like actually there. Jesus said, when you pray, go into the closet and shut the door. Close off the noise and present yourself to God. Pastor David, I'm preaching on prayer. I don't know what happened. This is for September. So, so what I want to say to you, and this is what the psalmist is doing, and we're going to get ready to close. This is what the psalmist is doing. If you don't get anything else out of this, here's, here's what I want you to get. I hope you've learned something. Noise and pressure, they come into your life like this. Right? More noise, more pressure. More noise, more pressure. How do they get into my life? Well, they get in through your gates. They get in through your ear gate. They get in through your eye gate. They get in through your heart gate. Are you with me? So noise and pressure are constantly flowing into your life, right? And here's what the psalmist is basically telling us that he learned. And I love the psalms because the psalms show us, and a lot of times they show us how to get it wrong and how to get it right. The Psalms are brutally honest. And so in the beginning of this Psalm, he's like, man, I got no peace. How many of you know if he'd have went to a word of faith church, he'd have got challenged at the door. Brother, you need to change your confession. Praise God. Well, he might need to change his confession, but he was just being honest. I don't got peace. I got cares. I don't know about you. I got cares, no peace. But here's what he learned to do. In verse number 24, he said, I found that if you cast all that on the Lord, then he will sustain you. So here's what he said. He said, what I learned that I had to do is I had to redirect all the noise and the pressure. And I redirected the noise and the pressure and I started redirecting it to make sure that it goes through Christ. That it goes through, you know. I feel like I'm getting attacked with an Uzi right now. Y'all pray for me. It goes through Christ for the psalmist. It goes through God for us Christians. It goes through Christ. If you want to put the Holy Spirit in there, knock yourself out. Here's what I want to say. The Holy Spirit, Christ, your foundation is the filter for all the noise and the pressure in your life. And if you don't run it through the filter, you can't handle it. 
but Christ will be a filter. I changed the air filters in my home this week. And how many of you know everything flowing into your life needs to flow through a filter or it'll get too much junk in your life. And you know what's a real good filter for your life? Christ is the best filter you got, baby. So when all that noise gets thrown at you, you need to say, let me run that through Jesus real quick. Let me run that through the cross real quick. Let me take that into the place of prayer real quick. Let me let the Holy Spirit saturate that and he'll filter into my life anything that needs to be filtered in and he'll filter out anything that doesn't need to be a part of my life. He'll he'll not let my desires and my will and my emotions be formed and shaped by anything that's contrary to the fruit that he's trying to produce in my life. Are you with me this morning? So cares are very important because Jesus said he's going to plant seeds in our life. They're going to grow up. But if we're not careful and we don't filter all these cares, all this noise and all this pressure, then those things will choke out the life, the potential of the seeds that Jesus has placed in my life. So here's what I believe God wants to do for us this morning as we get ready to close. Let me tell you something. The the devil, if he can't make you sin, see some of you are far enough along and I don't wanna take too much time to talk about all the different kinds of sin, but let me just, this is a simple statement. So let's let's not critique it and dissect it. It's a true statement. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. Watch this, because either way, your soul will shrivel. Yeah, I'm gonna say that one more time. You say, well, praise God, I'm not tempted like I used to be. I don't get in all that. That's wonderful, praise God. If, you get, if you're getting sin out of your life, I'm cheering you on, baby, right? But guess what? The next thing the devil do is sneakier. He'll just make you busy and busyness can make your soul shrivel just like sin can make your soul shrivel. Are you with me this morning? So what we have to do is we have to say, God, I need you by your spirit to cleanse the clutter out of my inner life. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Woo, man, I was praying this morning. I didn't know how to end this message. But Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. And I got to thinking about my little diagram here and I got to thinking about all the clutter and I got to thinking about how that looks in our life when we're having a soul quake. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And I got a lot of people that I might be preaching to this morning and you're up here and you're saying, I can't see God. I can't see Christ. Well, I want to tell you, he's at the bottom of your interior life. He's the foundation of your identity. And here's what the Holy Spirit will do if you'll let him, is he'll start clearing out the clutter. And he starts clearing out the clutter and all this stuff that's blocking your vision. And God says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see. And you start, you start spending time in God's presence and God starts clearing out. You know what? You know what? Watch this. The Holy Spirit will start telling you something. You know that thing you're stressed out about? Six months from now, that thing won't matter to you. 
You know that thing you really, really stressed out about? Two years from now, that thing won't matter to you. You know that thing that's got you broke down on your knees? Five years from now, that thing won't matter to you. And you start going, wow, that's just a bunch of clutter. And all of a sudden you say, wait, that's Jesus down there. Let's clear out some more clutter because the pure in heart, they see God. You're not seeing God, not because God doesn't want to reveal himself to you, but because you've allowed your life to become full of so much clutter and the Holy Spirit, yeah, he'll renew your mind. Yeah, he'll heal your heart. Yeah, he'll change your will. Yeah, he'll transform your desires. But how will he do that? Get the clutter out of your life and just start beholding the beauty of Jesus. Just get fascinated with Jesus again. Be blessed as pure in heart and say, I wanna build my life on God's foundation. Come on, stand to your feet with us all over the building. We're gonna just worship for a minute. I wanna give us an opportunity just to create some altars this morning and reaffirm that we're gonna build our life on the foundation of Christ. Come on, Pastor Joey. Come on, come on, as they sing, I want you just to begin to make this an altar for yourself. Come on, we're gonna return. We're gonna return this morning. Come on, let's just be fascinated with him right now. There's no one like you, Jesus. You're the only one that's the foundation. You're the only one we're living for. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart.
see you. We want to see you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you just turn your hands toward heaven right now. Just say, Lord, I want to see you. Lord, show me who you are. God, I don't want to presume that I know who you are. Lord, transform my desires today. God, do deeper works on the inside of me. My life is full of cares. It's full of noise. It's full of pressure. But I'm, I'm hearing the voice of Jesus this morning who said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, all you who are burdened down with noise and pressure. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. So, Jesus, we're coming to you this morning. We're coming to you this morning. We're returning to the source and the foundation of our life. I want to ask our prayer teams to come as we get ready. We're going to dismiss any of you who need to go. But I feel like God wants to do a work in some people this morning. And here's the people specifically I want us to be able to pray for. If, if you feel like your life has just gotten cluttered up in some kind of a way, then I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to begin that important work of just de-cleansing your life of clutter, just decluttering the the heart of your life, just clearing it out, moving some stuff so that you can see God in fresh and new ways. And so if you'd like someone to agree with you, the worship team's just going to worship real softly. They're going to sing this song so that we can pray with you. But we want to agree with you today that today's going to be the beginning. Maybe you just need some time in God's presence. These altars are going to be open. You can stay at your seat and worship the Lord. But if you need to go today, we want to bless you and release you. Thank you for worshiping with us. We just say the Lord bless you today. The Lord keep you. We say you're going to live more and more unshakable lives that are rooted in His presence and His truth. And we say you're a blessed people. Don't forget, next Sunday is Back to School Sunday. Don't miss Sunday morning at the gate. August the 15th, we'll see you then. If you need to go, be released. If you'd like prayer, I want you to get out from your seat right now and just come down. Let us pray with you this morning. God bless you, gate. We love you.